listen to this disc jockey's introduction to Madhavani's Lazy Garden. Now that I've had days to recover from the U.S. Open Cup final, the SBI show is ready to return back to regular form. I am Garrett Cleverly. As always with me is Ivis Galarsep. What's up, man? Nothing much, man. I'm uh, here. Uh, you know, think I need a little sleep, but I, I just got to say I'm, I'm happy that you're back home and that you've survived and that you're not in a deep state of depression over the whole Real Salt Lake loss. Yeah, so it's, no, it's, it's good to hear you. It's good to hear that you're doing all right. Yeah, um, we got to recap though. The, the last show, you and I had a had a contest. If anyone can find a picture of me um, in <laughs> in RSL gear, some people did find some pictures. So congratulations, Ivis. I don't know how you, who you're going to pick as the winner or what they're going to get yet, but have you determined the uh, the results of the hashtag Garrett Loves RSL contest? Absolutely not. I'm going to need a little more time on that one. Yeah, some of them are pretty good, and uh, the best ones of me with the strawberry ice cream. That was the best find. Uh, Ivis, back to the show though Tons to talk about on the SBI show today Uh, We're going to talk a little bit about the U.S. men's national team Uh, Some results also with uh, Joel Campbell, the Mexico roster Uh, You had a nice piece on Goal.com We're going to discuss before we get into all that And and as always, the SBI Q&A at the very end of the show Before we get into all that We have a full slate of MLS weekend action Playoff race, as everyone knows, is heating up It's getting down to the wire Tons of teams competing for those final spots uh one of the uh not the biggest matchups this weekend i just put there's some very key ones houston dynamo hosting the montreal impact uh we all remember the last time these two teams played each other in canada montreal spanked houston uh uh, five to zero in that game houston's going to be looking out to get some revenge and it looks like a good opportunity for them against a team like montreal that's been struggling as of late and houston's really picking up some pace and i I think houston ivis should take uh, care of care of business at home this weekend well, just looking at it on this, on paper, just the way the teams are both going right now, Houston has shown a lot more signs of life last few weeks in Montreal. Their defense has a lot of questions, question marks around it. I know they battled back and they got that point in Chicago, and you got to give them a little credit for that. But I think it's going to be tough for them to go to Houston and uh, and get a result there. I think the Dynamo, I know the Dynamo, they've had their ups and downs, and they haven't been the dominating force at home that they've been in the past. But I think. Now that they're you know closer to full health, uh, I think they're I think they're going to take this one. And, and if they take this one, they're going to grab you know grab third place. And uh, once you, once you're out of that play uh, the wild card uh, round, and you don't have to worry about that, and you can focus on the on the semifinals. I think that's a big step for Houston. That's a big lift for them. I know they did it last year. I know they did the wild card, and that didn't stop them from getting to the final. But you know what? If, if they can get a top three spot. I think they'll be more than happy. Well, and also we're seeing uh, Houston starting to gel at the same time. Is there anyone that's impressing you on Houston right now, or is this a typical Dominic Kinnear side that always just is able to get it together at the end of the season and get into the playoffs and make a run? Well, I think it's a lot of the usual suspects, you know. I mean, I, look, their, their last game, the, the game against New England, it wasn't a pretty game for them by any means, you know. But, they, you know, give them credit. They got the point they needed. Uh, they, they got out of there with that result, so that that, that was big for them. But but I think it's a, it's a pretty good team effort, you know, defensively. I would say Giles Barnes is someone who you know he's shown well. Uh, I think the Adam Moffitt trade, you know, definitely uh, made it clear that he's someone that you know he's going to stay in the lineup. Uh, Ricardo Clark, I think, is doing well. He's had the st- he's had the step up, obviously, when you trade a player like Moffitt 
uh, you're going to count on him, you know, someone like him to really step up. So I think they've had quite a few guys. I think Will, Will Bruin is someone who's going to be really big for them down the stretch because they're going to need that, that, go-to, that go-to striker, that guy who can get you the goals on a regular basis. And, and I think he can be that guy. And uh, if, he, if they can get him going, I mean, it, it's good enough for them that they're getting Oscar Bonilla and Garcia on a good run now. But if they can get Will Bruin going, uh, there's no telling how, how strong they can be here down the stretch. I have a stain in the Eastern Conference. New York Red Bulls will be hosting the New England Revolution uh, this week. New York is going to be without Bradley Wright Phillips. Wright Hamstring will miss the game. New England Revolution will be getting Juan Agadello back in the game, and that's big for them, Ivis. And we've talked about this on previous shows. You know, New England has had their ups and downs over the last couple months. They look like a playoff team. They don't look like a playoff team. But one thing is for certain, when Juan Agadello is in the, in the New England Revolution offense, it just clicks. It's more smooth, and we saw that last week against Houston. He comes in, New England scores right away, and for New England, Ivis, I think Juan Agadello and his health and his play for the rest of the season will be a huge determining factor whether or not they will make the playoffs. I agree. <clears throat> I'll tell you what, I agree with you that he does. He is a factor. Uh, it's a little misleading to say, you know, he he came into that game and they scored. I mean, it, that, I think that was a little more coincidental than anything because he didn't, he didn't really have a direct hand in the goal in that game. But I agree with you. I mean, they, they are a much better team when he's there and he's on form and he's healthy. Um, I'm not sure if he's going to be ready to start in this game, if he's actually going to be there and be in the lineup. But they're going to need him if they're going to beat a team like the Red Bulls who are right now on such good form uh, and playing with such confidence. That point in L- in Seattle, the, for them to get that draw, it's huge. For Mike Petke and for a lot of the role players on that team, when you think about the fact they didn't have Henri, they didn't have Hamison Olave, they didn't have Bradley Wright Phillips, gave some other guys a chance to step up, and they did. Peggy Leandela, uh, I thought he stepped up really well, and uh, Fabian Espindola stepped up pretty well. Obviously, Tim Cahill does what he's, you know, he did what he does, what he's been doing now, which is really kind of being a force and leading by example. They're, they're playing so well, it's hard to bet against them. And, and even even though, hey, New England has some dynamic uh, guys in the offense, they do have a defense that can be pretty stingy. But it's going to be tough going into Red Bull Arena where the Red Bulls have done a pretty good job taking care of business. Ivis, over in the Western Conference, the Colorado Rapids will be hosting the Seattle Sounders, who... Uh, you know, we all have, we all know what happened last week against the New York Red Bulls. But you know, if you overlook that fact, you you might not realize that the Seattle Sounders have gone uh, unbeaten in the last seven matches. So they're looking pretty good right now. They are, however, though facing kind of a little bit of an injury situation right now. Jimmy Traore going to be out of the game. Leo Gonzalez might not play. Clint Dempsey also might not play. Uh, and for Colorado, I mean, another thing is, I mean, obviously it's a chance for their young guys to, to really uh, test themselves against a playoff-bound team. And, I mean, Colorado needs three points here because San Jose is one point behind them. And- well, i got to say, I don't know how many of the young guys are actually going to play. I mean, they have a few guys. At this point, you can't call anyone a rookie, right? I mean, yes, they have some younger players. But, you know, when you, you're at this point later in the season, uh, they, you call them a vet. They've got a year, pretty much a year under their belt. So I don't really, you can't really look at them as a young team anymore. They've, they're healthier now. They've got uh, whether it's Martin Rivero back or, or you know Gabriel Torres. Uh, they've got they, they've got a full complement of guys to choose from. Oscar Pereja's got he doesn't have to trot out a youth squad there. It's not going to be a U twenty twenty three team. It's going to be a pretty good team that faces Seattle. The thing with Seattle and their injuries is yes, it, 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 if Dempsey can't play, that hurts. They got so many attacking options that it, if they can lose anybody realistically. And have it not really affect them uh, uh, in the attack. That is, 
Osvaldo Alonso is someone that, that, that really hurts him if he can't play. I mean, he's going to play, but that's just as an example. Jimmy Traore is going to be a little tough for them as well because I think he's done well for him defensively. But this is a good matchup. This is definitely – it's big for both because I'll tell you what, Colorado, they have to be feeling the, the heat just a little bit. I mean, I know there's a gap uh, between them and the teams chasing that last playoff spot. Right now they're a point ahead of San Jose, but they do have that game in hand. So all of a sudden they lose this game, then, then you're, you know, the, your margin for errors is, is almost non-existent, especially, you know, San Jose – San Jose could definitely catch them now. I mean, that's 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 an interesting one. It's an interesting one. I like the game. I think I still got to go to Seattle. I think they're they're going to rebound from that draw against the Red Bulls, and I think they have too much too much attacking quality, even without a Clint Dempsey. They have too much attacking quality uh, for Colorado to hold them off. Even though, hey, Colorado's got a tough defense, uh, you got to give it to them. It's going to be a good game, close game, but I still have to go with Seattle. I've been staying in the Western Conference. Vancouver Whitecaps are going to be hosting the Portland Timbers in a Cascadia showdown. Portland is rolling right now. Vancouver struggling. Uh, Ivis, do you see Portland being able to go into Vancouver and taking three points? Vancouver, Ivis, they need a victory. And any chance they can get a victory at home against Portland to stay in the playoff race? Well, look, you, you would think that it'd be tough to go up there when Vancouver is in such desperation mode. But they were in desperation mode a week ago. And Real Salt Lake sent a team of reserves out there, and they got three points, right? So if, we, if ourselves reserve, reserves can get go, go get three points in Vancouver, why on earth can't Portland go, and go up and get three points, right? And they're playing well. They're, they're, they're really tightening, tightening things up defensively especially. Uh, you know, they're looking really sharp defensively. Uh, Max Uruti is looking, re- looking good. He's, he's got a couple starts now, and he's had, he's had an impact in, in each of his starts. Uh, they're looking really good right now, and look. And if you look at the standings, they, I mean, they have an outside shot of uh, the top spot in the West right now. When you think about it, I mean, they they have a game in hand on Real Salt Lake, and they're two points behind them. And and meanwhile, Seattle, Seattle's still in kind of the pole position because they have those two games in hand. They, you know, it, it's kind of in their court to to grab the top spot. But Portland's not done. Now that Portland has kind of put LA and Colorado behind them, and they're looking really good for the number three seed in the playoffs. They can start thinking bigger, and, and this, and for that reason, this is a game that I, I, I guarantee that Caleb Porter is not going to look past or not going to, you know, take for granted. They need this game. They know this game matters. And think about it: when you talk about the Cascade rivalry, I know everyone talks about Portland and Seattle and how great that rivalry is. But hey, Vancouver is also a Cascadia team, uh, and and I think I don't th- I don't think Portland would mind one bit if they can be the team that can put the final nail in that coffin for the Whitecaps, and that's exactly what it would be if they can hand Vancouver a loss on uh, on Saturday. Uh, I was in the Eastern Conference. Columbus crew rolling right now under manager Brian Bliss, who made it no secret when he took over the job that he wanted to be manager. And the, the crew are just flourishing under him. Dominic Oduro, 12 goals, equals a season high. He's doing well. Frederico Higuain's looking good. I mean, they're getting play out of their big players. And this weekend, they have another opportunity to uh, have, a, have a nice little jump to their playoff race taking on Sporting Kansas City. Uh, Sporting Kansas City going on the road against the crew. I mean, any chance the crew, Ivis, can keep things going and defeat Sporting Kansas City? I'll tell you, confidence is a powerful it's a powerful motivator. And right now the crew have that, right? They, they put this run together, four out of five. Uh, they've won four out of five. But to be, but you have to look at the run. They, they've beaten some weaker teams. They've beaten some teams that haven't been doing well. The one loss in their run was the Sporting Kansas City. 
the one really good team that they played in that run. So this is going to really be a test uh, of their quality. It's going to be a test to tell us just how real we should, how should seriously we should take this Columbus Crew team. They have a chance now. Now they're 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 still the even though they're at home. I, I would say you know what, I still think they're the underdog. But Kansas City now the thing with sporting KC is that Phil, that loss to Philly uh, has got to raise some question marks for them. It's got it's got to make make them start to think about the fact that why couldn't they put a put a goal in? Why couldn't they create more dangerous chances? They came out really flat. And I tell you what, I think Peter Vermees is going to have them fired up after that game, after that loss, because they know they, they really missed an opportunity there to take control of things uh, when you talk about the Eastern Conference and the race for that, that top seed. And, and right now they're, they're trailing New York. They're, they're behind it a bit. Uh, so they have to win this game. They have no choice. And, and I'll tell you what, when you look at it, um, you know, the Houston Dynamo right now with four games left are four points behind Sporting Kansas City. Uh, for for the, the the number two seed, it's not out of the realm of possibility that Houston goes on a run. Assuming they beat Montreal, obviously that's a big that's a big if right there. But if Houston goes on a run, and if KC stumbles, I mean Houston could climb up to the number two spot, and that's uh, I, I think that'd be pretty big there. So KC's got to be careful. They've got to get that offense clicking. Uh, it can't just be enough to possess. And I tell you one thing that I'm curious about. I wonder if it's almost better for them to be on the road. And I'll tell you why. Because the field at, at Sporting Park is atrocious. It's a joke. The, the grass there is coming up, uh, you know, too easily. It's, there's clumps all over. The ball, it's affecting play. It's affecting their, I got to believe, it's affecting their ability to keep the ball on the ground and knock it around the way they want to do it. So, if anything, it might actually help Casey to go to Crew Stadium where they have a great field there, and, and they won't have the problems that they have with the with the uh, turf that with the field that they have in Kansas City. So you know what? I tell you what, I like Kansas City's chances. I think KC rebounds, and I think they halt uh, Columbus's slide and put a real dent in their playoff hopes. Uh, as we talked about in the last show, DC United did the impossible, winning the U.S. Open Cup. They're going to be uh, hosting the Chicago Fire uh, this weekend, and. I just look the fire. They lost points last week against Montreal. Montreal when Mike McGee missed that PK, the Montreal picked up the draw. I just don't see any way DC builds off that momentum from Tuesday's U.S. Open Cup. I think they might be in hangover mode, and they really didn't outplay RSL. I thought RSL kind of lost lost the match themselves, really. Um, and I just see the Chicago Fire going to DC taking three points. Yeah, I mean, I, I think it's real. I, I don't think it's far fetched. To think that DC is going to be feeling the effects of that Open Cup celebration, because let's be honest, we all know, <laughs> we all know that that game was their final. It was their it was their season, and they really built everything up to, to, toward that, right? I mean, they that that was they needed that they needed that trophy, they needed that sal- something to salvage this this season for them, and they got it right. You got to give them all the credit in the world. Do I see them now? kind of shaking that off and wiping away the, the Bud Light and the champagne and uh, and just getting it together and putting in a game. On short note, on short rest at that, it's a Friday game. They just played Tuesday. Are they gonna? Are they really going to turn in a strong performance against the Chicago team that's in desperation mode and that knows they need this game to, to keep their hopes alive for the playoffs? Mm-hmm. I don't see it. I don't see it. I really don't. Nothing against DC. They showed so much. They I, might have. You know they might have ten minutes of just great play. Then they'll just. They, they're gonna. Win. They're gonna fade. They're gonna fade. And look, all credit to look. That's not, nothing against DC. 
I said it during. I said it on Twitter during during the game when they were winning. You know, the, the future's bright for them. They've got a lot, a lot going, a lot going for them heading into 2014. When you talk about the top pick in the M, in the MLS draft, allocation money, uh, a, a lot of allocation money. They're going to have salary cap space freed up uh, with these bad signings from 2013 coming off the books. They're in great position to really turn things around for next year. And a lot of the and a lot of the guys who were key to that win against RSL are good keys for the future. When you talk about someone like Ethan White or Perry Kitchen, Chris Pontius, they have a good nucleus. But I don't see them getting off the mat, wiping the champagne off, and getting and turning in a strong ninety against Chicago. I just don't see it. I think the fire win. Well, I was speaking of the hangover. Real Salt Lake's going to be hosting FC Dallas this weekend. Uh, I mean, we all saw like they. Uh, <laughs> if you saw the game, you, you know what happened. But I think they should be at home, be able to take care of business against FC Dallas. They have enough veterans on this team. The guys know what to do, and we also like should get the victory here, Ivis. Uh, uh, hmm. When you look at it, yeah, if FC Dallas is kind of like they, they, they just don't have it, right? I mean, they the, the confidence is is dwindled week to week uh, with that group, and and just some really tough losses for them. Uh, there's just not a lot of organization uh, in that team. Uh, I don't see it, man. I think RSL, it's going to kind of be the opposite. You, you know how you said that you think DC is going to have a good 10 minutes and then they're going to fade. I think RSL is going to be the opposite. I think RSL is going to sleepwalk through the early part of their game. And then eventually they're going to wake up and realize they're in a game. Dallas is going to I think Dallas, could, if anything, Dallas could catch him early. Uh, if RSL is not careful, but you know what? Really? I, think it is- I don't know, man. I think they'll come out motivated. At home, at home, come on! They have to come out motivated. I know, but they they have. They were at home on Tuesday. They they have to come out motivated in this game. If they don't come out motivated in this game, they might hear it from the fans. You don't. I mean, they have to come out motivated. They have to. (laughs) You sound like you're speaking for the fans. Stop it! (laughs) All right, all right. Kidding aside, you know what? It's gonna be a good game. Salt Lake. I think Salt Lake will win. That's the thing. At the end of the day, I think they're gonna win. I just think they could. I've seen it before, man. I've seen it before. I've seen Real Salt Lake in these same kind of situations uh, take a little while to get over a, a situation like that. And and it, it, it's not easy, man. It's not easy. They're going to be a little bit of fun. It'd be great if they come out firing three goals in 10 minutes, first 10 minutes, and just smother them. That'd be ideal. But I don't I don't see that happening. I, th- I think they could be in for a little fun. I think Dallas might have a little bit of a fight left. I think they might have – they still – I mean, they still got quality. That's the crazy part about FC Dallas is they have individuals, but they don't really seem to play well as a team like – uh, not at all like they did earlier in the year, but uh, certainly not. Uh, but RSL wins. I think they win. I think they get it together. They're going to get the three points. And in the final game, we did not talk about Ivis LA Galaxy hosting Chivas USA. They're going to have to go long distance for this one. Uh, you know, Chivas USA, they, they play well in the StubHub Center. Ivis, we've seen this out, out of their past results. Teams don't defeat them that easily at home. And I mean, of course, it's a rivalry game. Galaxy Chivas USA, it should be close. I think Galaxy will get the. Uh, Close one to zero win in this one. I know it's a rivalry, and I know Chivas plays better at the StubHub Center, but I'm sorry. I think LA. I think this is a game they wake up and they really put a hurting on Chivas USA. I think they they need it. I think they they've been through enough of a funk now. And here's the thing, right? They, they they've had this little rut of, of results, right? And, and and it's really cost them. It cost them a chance at the Supporters Shield, and now it's almost has them in jeopardy of having to settle for a wild card spot. They, they're winless in four, but, I mean, look at the teams they played, right? I mean, look, I know the draw in Seattle, 
I mean, not draw. The draw against DC was was a disappointment. There's no other way to say it. Um, but you know, they they also the, you know one game was against Colorado. Uh, you know, one game was in, it was against Seattle, which was the draw, and then they lose to a, a tough Portland team. So these are tough opponents. Chivas USA is not on that level. LA is going. I think LA is going to come in angry, and they're gonna, they're going to come in to send a message. I think they're going to roll. I think I could see four nil. I could see a four nil. Really? And I don't see that, man. I see Chivas. I see one zero for Gale. It's going to be ugly. It's not going to be pretty. And Chivas will nope. lose, but one zero. I'm calling it. Nah, nah. I'm calling four it four nil. I'm calling right. it. You're wrong. All right, we'll see. Yeah, uh, Ivis. <laughs> Uh, moving over to the U.S. men's national team, we're going to put our MLS discussion on hold for the show. Uh, you know, it, it, the the roster did not come out, so we can't talk roster on this show. Hopefully on Sunday night when we record our show, we'll be able to talk the U.S. men's national team roster. Uh, but it did not come out because on Twitter, uh, U.S. Soccer, at U.S. Soccer, said late injury questions push back roster release to the weekend. Coaches will follow progress before making final decisions. Obviously, obviously there's a lot of guys injury-wise. Uh, for people who aren't really sure what, what the status is with a lot of guys, I mean, can, can you break down the injury concerns for guys like you know Jermaine Jones, uh, Michael Bradley, Clint Dempsey, and, and the other guys? What's the latest on all that? Well, I think we mentioned it before or in the last show, but you know, Clinton's already said that Michael Bradley will not will not be part of it. Uh, he mentioned that Jermaine Jones will be a part of it, but maybe that could be a question mark. Clint Dempsey, I think, is one that I think that's wishful thinking. I know he he uh, on Tuesday, uh, you know, said that he think he expects him to be there, but. I don't know, you know, and, and here's the thing it comes down to, right? When he's when he first came out uh, a few weeks ago and, and gave the whole I will have I will have my strongest team, I will have my, my t- first choice team, this is an important game. When he said that, I was like, eh, I don't buy it. I really don't buy it because you know this some guys are gonna need rest, there's some guys who you know injury concerns. Why not bring in a, a younger team? No one's saying bring in a C team and people who have no shot of making a World Cup roster, but you've got enough quality in your pool that you could put a pretty strong team out and leave guys home like Jermaine Jones, Tim Howard, you know, older guys who you know could, could, don't, don't need to fly back and forth for games that, you know, at the end of the day don't really matter. They don't have to prove anything. Mm-hmm. Um, so along those lines, I think that's, what, that's what's going to end up happening. You know, for all the bluster, for all the talk, for all the we will have our first team there. No, you know what? Come – Come to the Jamaica game. I think if you if you have five regular starters, six regular starters, I think that's going to be about right. And 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 there's nothing wrong with that because there's guy there's guys who can who deserve looks and guys who who you know you want to see them start in a game, mm-hmm. uh, and especially that Panama game. Because well, I can tell you what that Panama game is going to mean something. That that Panama, you know, unless they get just destroyed by Mexico and Azteca, and even then, I don't think they would be necessarily eliminated from. Uh, consideration for at least the fourth place spot concaf so that game's going to matter hostile territory in panama that's going to be a great opportunity for to to give some younger guys well, a look a look in that environment when we talk about guys being called up uh, I mean, is this a game where we could see mixed discrude start, really establish himself in there in the middle? If he's paired up with Jermaine Jones or, or, or Jeff Cameron or, or Kyle Beckerman, I mean, could we see Aaron Hansen start? I mean, could we see a guy like Eric Lehigh get a call up? Could that happen? <laughs> well, you know, we talk about Lehigh all the time. But Johansson, I, I think yes. He, well, he, I think you have to call him up. He's he's in some of the best form in the pool right now. Well, I mean, starting though, do you think that he uh, could start, start in this game? Uh, you know what? I'd like to see it. I, I would like. I mean, I'd like to see a Josie Altidore, or uh, Aaron Johansson uh, tandem. I'd like to see both those guys. Um, but no, I would definitely like to see some real some real minutes for Johansson. Uh, see what he can do. Uh, mix this crew. I agree. I think I want to see. It. I want to get a look at him. You know, I thought 
he he in the Gold Cup he really impressed me. He really kind of sold me as 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 someone who can be a starting option if you need him. And, and look, he came into that final uh, replaced Stu Holden and was outstanding in that game. And we all know the assist he set up uh, in the Mexico game to to get to lock up the Dosa Cero to get the the second goal they needed. So I, I think I think I'm not, I think we're not alone in wanting to see him get some real minutes. And I think that this could definitely be. Uh, that kind of game. So you know what? It, it, even if there aren't veterans there, like Tim Howard or Jermaine Jones, or you know maybe even like a Fabian Johnson, maybe if he stays home or whatever, there's still enough other quality there that and say enough promising young players that I think the U.S. will be fine. And hopefully the roster will come out sometime this weekend. If not on Monday, their players will also be reporting to Kansas City. News also came out today regarding the Joel Campbell situation and whether or not FIFA would punish him for that flop he did against Matt. Beasler, I mean, I was, the whole situation was just ridiculous. And, I mean, it, the way FIFA took their stance on it is just completely just a horrible and wrong decision. I thought it was disappointing, but not at all surprising. I mean, I never, I, you know, I can't say I ever sat here and thought, oh, FIFA's going to do the right thing. They're going to crack down. They're going to, you know, really send the message. That, that's not what FIFA does. I, I, don't, I, don't, I, don't, I don't think FIFA gets many things right. So I, I didn't have a lot of confidence in them suspending him, which is what they should have done. Um, you know, in a perfect world, he, he, he would, you know, I don't even think him missing the last two qualifiers would have been punishment enough because Costa Rica's already in the World Cup. So it doesn't mean anything to him. Um, but it's almost, there is a little bit of a silver lining in the sense that, well, for some U.S. fans, I'll, I think they'll see it this way. But one silver lining is that Joel Campbell will definitely probably be uh, on the team that faces Mexico and, and, and faces them in that finale and maybe has the chance to put him out of the World Cup. So I, I tell you what, if Joel Campbell scores the goal that keeps Mexico out of the World Cup, I think some U.S. fans might forgive him. I think they might because you know what? At the end of the day, the Matt Beasley thing was awful and it sucked that it was terrible that he was suspended for the Mexico game. But guess what? The U.S. won anyway. So if Joel Campbell puts Mexico out of the World Cup, I think uh, I think a few U.S. fans will, uh, will, will see him in a little better light. Speaking of Mexico, their roster came out. Rafa Marquez is on it. Uh, he, it's it's going to be interesting to see the reaction of the Mexico fans and how they treat him if he plays. Uh, but for Mexico, Ives, do you think they'll be able to take care of business in the next two games based off what you see on this roster? And uh, hopefully for them, avoid that fourth spot where if they finish fourth, then the Hex will have to go play New Zealand uh, New Zealand in a home-and-home. Home. Will Mexico be able to take care of business with this team, Ives? Uh, I, it, you know what? I, I re- I've been saying for a while that I, I have full confidence that Mexico would win, right? That they do what they have to do to qualify. And that even if that means going, finishing fourth and going to play New Zealand and, and having to beat them in the playoff, I really, I had, I honestly had no doubts about it. But I got to say, man, I'm starting to wonder because they're missing some guys. They're missing some guys. The whole car- the Carlos Vela fiasco, for, for U.S. fans who have him and keeping tabs on that thing, I mean, we're talking about a guy, Carlos Velo, who's a quality player in Europe, playing well, and he just doesn't, he can't be bothered to play for the national team. He can't be bothered to be to, to, to accept the call-up and play in a game where the World Cup is on the line. Like, I'm sorry, I don't think this guy's going to be able to set foot in Mexico for a while, because you know what? If they don't make the World Cup, people are going to remember that. People are going to absolutely remember that, Carlos, that when it came down to it and when this country needed him, Carlos Vela was not there. He did not answer the call. And that's, that's, I think that's embarrassing. I think that's an absolute joke. You know what? If he had issues in the past with, with coaches that were there, that's fine. That's one thing. They've had a few coaches go come and go since then. So whoever he had a beef with, you would think is gone. So I don't get it. I think that's terrible. But you don't have Avella. 
they don't have Andres Guardado, who you know the the, the new the new boss, the new coach, uh, Vucetic, uh decided is not in good enough form to, to call him up, and that one's a little bit of a you know what I I can see that because he just, he certainly didn't look good against the U.S. But but that's that that one's a little that one makes you raise some that raises an eyebrow because I mean Guardado has been such a key for them for so many years and and maybe he isn't on the best of form but I don't know man I don't know if Mexico has that luxury to just not even call him in so he is not in Hector Moreno their best center back is out he is out he's injured and that all of a sudden man it's not looking good and you know you don't want to. You know, you're missing your best center back when you have to play Panama and deal with their forwards, Blas Perez and Gabriel Torres. I don't know, man. It's uh, it's going to be it, – well, hey, look, Rafa Marquez, I'm sorry. If he sets foot on that field, he's going to get torched. He's going to get abused. That I, I just don't think he has it anymore. So uh, if you're a Mexico fan right now, I got to believe you're doing, you're, you're doing some Hail Marys. You're, you're gripping your rosaries because it could be a pretty – it could be a scary week, man. It's going to be a scary Friday uh, – watching that Mexico-Panama game. We could talk about more about this in the next upcoming shows as we preview. We'll preview the U.S. men's national team and Mexico and the rest of the HEX. Uh, tying Mexico and USA together, the national teams. Ivis, you had an outstanding piece on Gold.com about Richard Sanchez. Uh, he's a young goalkeeper for FC Dallas. He's 19 years old. Uh, he's playing with Fort Lauderdale Strikers right now, doing very well for them. And, and there's an interesting thing, Ivis, that, that you wrote in your piece about him, about FC Dallas owning him and another club owning a certain percentage of him. Uh, what's the latest on Richard Sanchez and, and, and the, the unique deal that's, that's the first of its kind for MLS? Well, I, you know, I, wrote it, I, I wrote it in pretty good detail in the story on Goal.com, but for those who didn't read it or haven't read it, and I suggest you all read it, you should all go and read it anyway. Yes, it's a lot me of too. Stuff. I have so, enough force me to say that. <laughs> and, you know, there's a lot of stuff about his background. It's an interesting case. We're, we're talking about a kid who still has, you know, he's obviously not capsized yet, but he's actually, he, he, the, he's leaving the door open for the U.S., uh, and he's not really being coy about it. Like he, he, he's not. I mean, it's not like he's trying to play one side against the other. He, he, he's still committed to Mexico. He still wants to represent Mexico, but he, he mm-hmm. keeps it real. And he's like, you know what? If something, you know, as long as they keep calling him, he'll keep accepting the calls. In other words, if something happens and Mexico doesn't, you know, if Mexico stops calling him or all or acts like they don't need him, then you know what? He's open to playing for the U.S. And we're talking about a kid. I got to tell you. He is a top-notch goalkeeping prospect. I mean, he's 19 years old. He's got some, you know, he's got great size, great tools. Tech, you know, his, his technique is is really solid for his age. Um, the, what he doesn't have is games under his belt, and now he's getting those games on loan with the Fort Lauderdale Strikers. But let's get to the, the, the one of the more interesting parts of this whole story is the is is what I was able to uncover uh, the, this revelation that that he actually a percentage of his economic rights are owned by Tigres, the Mexican club. For those who remember, in the summer I actually wrote a story that Tigres had bought Richard Sanchez. That there, there was a transfer. Uh, but ba- basically, I'll break it down for everybody here. What happened was Tigres, mm-hmm. Tigres wanted to buy Richard Sanchez. They made a bid. FC Dallas accepted the bid. The only problem with that was Richard Sanchez did not want the deal. He did not want to go. He didn't. He didn't want to go to Mexico. So they had to find a compromise. So, so what FC Dallas and Tigres came up with was selling Tigres a percentage of his economic rights, which basically means if if and when he gets transferred, uh, Tigres will get a percentage of that transfer. So it's a bit of an. It's an basically an investment. So so Tigres paid FC Dallas a million dollars 
and now they have they own a, a piece of his rights. Uh, seventy to seventy five percent, from what my sources tell me. And 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 if this kind of deal sounds strange to you, to people as MLS fans, it should because it's actually the first time it's ever happened. It's the first time where where there's been a case like that where you know a team is is, is come in and, and wanted you know to to buy a piece of a player. And and it's a as Fernando Clavijo, the the GM of FC Dallas, pointed out, it's it's a bit of a win win, right? Because if you're FC Dallas. You're not going to sell him. You're not going to start him now. Uh, and the team wants to come in and invest in him, and you can get him. And you can get a million dollars for right now. Then why don't you take it? You know what I mean? I mean, I'm sure they had great aspirations for this season. So you know, they took that money, and it probably helped them with some of the moves that they did make. Now, obviously, the season's not going the way Dallas hoped it would go, but I think it's an interesting mechanism. It's going to be interesting to see it. If we see more of that going forward, I don't know if that's going to become a trend, though. I wouldn't. I, I would say anyone who's worried about that, I, I wouldn't worry about it. I think it's a pretty unique case, you know, when you're talking about a player like Richard Sanchez, who's he, as young as he is, he's still not a starter in MLS, but there's interest in him in him from Mex, uh, quality Mexican clubs. That that dynamic is not. You're not going to see that very often because generally, if someone if, if Mexican teams are, are are really high on someone. Then he's probably getting playing time in MLS, and and it's you know so it's it's a unique case. So it's a I know some people were probably wondering like how did you know did this ever happen before? How did this happen? I, I can tell you from what from what I understand, it's never been done before, uh, but apparently it's allowed. It's something that teams can do. He's already established himself as one of the best goalkeepers in the NASL, winning Player of the Week, being named to Team of the Week twice. And, I mean, the one thing is, I mean, he was born in America, born in California. But, I mean, you have a quote in the article where he says, you know, his heart is in Mexico. Uh, he could go either way. So, I mean, and the thing is, I mean, he's a legit prospect. And next year, I mean, FC Dallas even said that they want him to come in and compete for a spot, starting spot. Excuse me. So, I mean, he's a serious prospect that, you know, Jurgen Klinsmann or whoever's going to be the coach out of Jurgen's going to have to pay attention to and, and really try to bring into the team. It's a little different when you talk about goalkeepers, right? Because usually 19, 20-year-old goalkeepers just aren't even close to being good enough to be on the radar. Uh, the polish just isn't there. The games just aren't there. Uh, the experience isn't there. So it'll be a little tough. And, and, it, and that goes for either Mexico or the U.S. It's going to be tough for, for, uh, for him to, to really uh, push his way into consideration for either of those teams for a good while. And that's even with him being good. I mean, I, I think he's a really good prospect. I thought he showed well at the under 20 world cup. And, and, you know, I, I don't know right now, Cody Cropper is the best, you know, U 20 uh, goalkeeper on the U S side. He was the starter on the U S under 20 team. And, you know, I know he's in England and all, but I don't know if I'd necessarily take Cropper over Richard Sanchez. I mean, they're both quality uh, keepers, so it's going to be interesting to follow that that track record, that trajectory for Sanchez. I mean, what's interesting is he is not going to get capped until 2015 at the earliest because he's not going to go to the World Cup. Uh, he's not. He hasn't been called. And he's you know he's just off the radar. And after the aside from the World Cup, there, there's just not cap tying uh, possibilities until the 2015 Gold Cup. So, you know, you're thinking if you're talking about 2015 now, it's almost two years. You know, he'll be 21, which is still super young for a goalkeeper, right? That's the thing we need to keep in, keep in mind is how just how young he is. Uh, and that's the thing, right? He doesn't have to rush. There's no point in him rushing. There's no point in him in getting capped because he's, you know, he's, he's 19, 19 years old, right? In, in goalkeeper years, that's, uh, you know, it's like being seven, right? Because, uh, you know, you really, you know, 
He's probably got 10 years to go before he's going to get into his prime. So it's something to watch out for, though, because I, I got to say I was a little surprised at how he kept the door open. Um, just because we're talking about a guy, he was the winning goalkeeper. He was the starting goalkeeper on Mexico's under-17 World Cup winning team. Yeah, but he, he, won he's a, smart to keep the door open because oh, no, you never know what could happen. I mean, that that's for a 19-year-old kid to do that, that's that's very smart. It's very smart. Absolutely. I totally agree. And generally speaking, players do that. Players keep their, their options yeah. open. They, they, there's no point because you know what? When you don't and when you kind of say, oh, no, there's no way I yeah. never or I would only play for this team. You know what happens? Years later, they're you know playing that clip. The Whatever country you decided to spurn is going to play that clip. And they're gonna hate your gut. Ivis, we've reached the end of the show. You know what that means. It's the SBI Q and A. If anyone wants to have their questions answered, send them in on Twitter, hashtag ask the SBI show. Ivis and I check all the time, so just send them in at any time. First question comes from Andrew Retz. Will you be in Indianapolis for the at Indy eleven home opener next April? Uh I don't plan my schedule that far ahead, uh, but I'd have to see what else is going on. Uh, at the time, but uh, I can't commit. I can't commit yet. But hopefully, I, hopefully, I'm there because uh, I'm hearing good things, and uh, you know, I think they're going to do a good job there with that team. Uh, I will not be there in protest of them having their press conference during the U.S. Open <laughs> Cup final. So I will do something in protest against them. Uh, I bet you'll be there. I bet you'll be there if, our, uh, if they're playing Real Salt Lake. <laughs> that won't happen. I, it depends what it is. I'll probably actually be in Dallas for Dallas Cup that week. Looking forward to it. Oh, there you go. I'm excited, man. Dude, Dallas Cup's a good time, man. The the, the youth development, man. There's some talent out there, Ivis. Let me tell you, dude. People get excited. Next question comes from Scott Waldman. As a DCU fan, should I be frightened for the 2014 season with the additional CONCACAF Champions League fixtures on top of a struggling MLS side? Okay, Scott. I want to know one thing. What kind of crystal ball did? You, what kind of crystal ball do you have that lets you know that next summer DC United will be a struggling MLS side? You don't know that because anything happens in MLS, teams can turn it around. And it, I have said it multiple times now: DC United is going to have every opportunity this summer, uh, this winter, to rebuild their team, to revamp their team. They're going to have allocation money, they're going to have salary cap space, they're going to have the number one pick in the entire draft. They can have an open DP slot. So they could totally rebuild their team. They could add four or five significant pieces to that team and be a much, much better team. So I, I would say uh, I, I think that's a – I don't think that's a good way to look at it when you talk about the extra games and whether or not they're a factor. I mean what I, what I think people need to keep in mind is, yes, look, more games is tougher for whoever has them, right? I mean it's that's proven through the years – uh, you look at the stats and the teams that had those that have extra games end up kind of tiring or paying the price for that. But I would say the new format in Champions League makes it a little easier uh, for teams to you know because they're they're not facing MLS teams. MLS teams are not facing as tough competition as they faced. They're playing fewer games now because we're talking about smaller group stage, so it's a little bit it's a less of an impact uh, than it used to be. So. I think people. Sh- I think you should keep that in mind. And I tell you what, man, DC. If they get it right, if they get it right, they could they could have themselves a strong team next year. They had a strong team a year ago. They they were third. They were like third best record in the league a year ago. And obviously the wheels fell off. But I think they could be even stronger than they were in 2012 next year if they if they get it right. If they get these foreign player signings right. If they if they pick the right guy with the number one pick in the draft. Uh, a real impact player they, they can do it man they, it's been it's been done over and over in mls and that's what 
it kind of boggles my mind sometimes when, when, when I hear people talking about how a team's going to be bad next year. Uh, when it's just, you just don't know. I mean, unless it's TFC, you kind of know it's they're going to be bad. That's every year, right? Um, but other than them, and, and maybe Chiefs USA, you can turn it around. And even Chiefs USA turned it around. They, hey, Bob Bradley and Precky were able to get the job done, turn around over there. So, you know what? There's still hope, I'd say, for DC fans. Uh, next question comes from Andrew Abernathy. You know my hashtag Garrett Loves RSL photo is good. It was a picture of Sean White. And he cropped a RSL logo on Sean White. Um, and then this second part of the question is over under 10 year before Beckham's Miami team falls because no one in Miami cares. Uh, I wonder how many, how much, I wonder how much time Andrew has spent actually in Miami. I'd be kind of curious about that. Let's see. Where is he from? Uh, it doesn't say. Um, well, I would say this. Oh, he's from Greensboro, North Carolina. Well, clearly being from Greensboro, North Carolina, he's an expert on Miami. What I would say is this. I think Miami is a different market now. When you talk about the demographics, when you, if you want to go back 20 years and 30 years, or, or you know, even 15, 20 years when it was a lot of Cuban, a lot of Caribbean Latinos, yes, you can make that point and say, hey, you know what? Is there a big clamoring for soccer? I think the demographics in, are, are different now in Florida, in South Florida. I think now you have more South Americans living there, more um, you know, countries like Jamaica and Haiti uh, people who lo- you know love soccer, so I think there is, and then obviously you have all the people who've moved down there from from other just, other parts. Of it. I don't see it, man. All right, you don't have to see it. I'm telling you, I really think they're gonna. It de- and again, it depends on the on the ownership. I think it depends on the ownership and if they know what they're doing. If they get a team in place and, and they get a, a coach and a GM in place that can put a winner on the field, you know what? Pro teams struggle in Miami, but if you play well, if you win, people come out. There's a lot of front runners out there in Miami. Oh, yeah, there it's are, a, it, but, but they don't even sell out Miami Heat games all the time, though. Because they probably cost a million dollars to go to these games. I don't know, man. I, I see Miami as like the Phoenix market, man. You have so many people out there who are who are just from so many different areas. They have so many different ties to so many different things that when they get out there, they already have allegiances. I, I just, man, I just don't see my, Miami's just not a good sports market. I just, I just, it's not a good sports market. I'm sorry. I'm sure there's people from Miami who are mad at me, but it's it's like Phoenix, man. It's just not, to me, it's a, not a good sports market. That's just the we'll, way I see we, it. Hey, we'll see. Uh, it's going to be interesting. I, th- I really I really believe they're going to get a team. And I, you know what? I think you put a team in Miami, they're going to have no, uh, in proper Miami, not in Fort Lauderdale, oh, yeah. which, which is what they had before. You put a team in Miami proper. If you put a stadium in near South Beach or anywhere near like proper Miami, you're going to have no trouble finding yourself foreign players to come play for you. You know what, you know what I mean? They, they They're should gonna put together a good team. They should just convert the Marlins stadium. I mean, it's not like anyone shows up for baseball anyways. They got a stadium there already built. Converted like Portland, you know? Uh, I don't know. <laughs> I don't know. That's, uh, that, that's a touchy subject down there, that stadium. So. Yeah, I know. <laughs> uh, next question comes from Andrew Retz. Two-parter. Uh, it's it's does Eric Lehigh make the upcoming World Cup qualifying roster or European friendly roster? And his other question was, uh, are you hearing Austria for the second U.S. men's national team friendly in Europe? All right, I'll answer your second part first. Uh, Austria has been I, I mentioned. I feel like I mentioned Austria a month ago. That that's kind of been out there. That's not news. That's not really a new thing. That I think it's it's been pretty known for a while now. That that's looking like it's going to be the second game. To answer your first question, Eric Lehigh qualifiers, I don't see it as much as I think he deserves it, as much as I think he's good enough. I don't think that is going to be the opportunity for him. I think November, though, I think November is a great opportunity for him to get called up. Uh, I think Klinsman's going to still want to look at 
uh, some of the guys that he's more used to when it comes to the qualifying matches. But I think if he does, I tell you what, if Eric Lee, if he continues to start right, and he's doing well at Nottingham Forest by all accounts, he's playing well on a, on a good league championship team there, playing it right back on a consistent basis, ninety minutes every week, unlike any, unlike all these other guys who were who were in consideration. Um, if he can keep on going, keep on starting, keep on getting these games under his belt and playing and playing well at Nottingham Forest and still doesn't get a call up in November, I'm going to have serious questions about it. And I think a lot, I think a lot of people are going to. People already have questions about it. But you can almost kind of understand in the past why he didn't call him in because he didn't get games at Villa on a consistent basis or, or whatever it was. But now he's playing regularly, playing well. The league championship is a solid league. It's not act like it's not. It's a solid league, respectable league. He if he if he's still playing and playing well for Nottingham Forest come November, he needs to get called in. I, I, I mean, there's no other way to put it. He needs you need to get a look at him. Right back is is by no means a lockdown solid position with four can't miss options there. It's just not the case. You need to take a look at some guys. Tim Chandler. We don't know what's going on with Tim Chandler. If he doesn't get called up here for these October games, then you have to wonder if he'll ever get called up again. So if Tim Chandler's not in the mix, Steve Trunlow's hurt, <clears throat> you're, you're, you've settled on Brad Evans, who's not a natural right back. Michael Parkhurst, who, who I think, I don't know, it, I feel like he has to buy tickets to go see Augsburg play because he doesn't get on the bench. He doesn't even dress for their games. So if that's the state of your right back position and you don't want to play get Jeff Cameron there for whatever reason, even though he starts in the Premier League yeah. right back, then and get, he, go, and get, he, and go Jeff, get Eric Lehigh. Go get Eric Lehigh. And Jeff Cameron has shown that he's looking better and better at right back, too. He's showing he the progression. He's getting better. I agree. I agree he's getting better. But even that aside, I think Eric Lehigh should get a call. I don't – I it's boggled my mind for some time now. I just – I mean, I mean, obviously, I rate him a little more than Aaron Klinsman does. I think a lot of people rate him. And I think the question was, how would he do if he gets some games? And now he's getting these games. And then uh, – you know, I, I don't know what it is. Maybe I, I got no answer for it. But if he's still playing and playing well by November, he absolutely needs to get a call. Final question comes from Kevin Weaselow. What's the deal with no guests on the show anymore? Hit up your boys, Ivis. It's you know what, man. We're just shooting. The, we're, we're recording these 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 shows way too late at night, so it's kind of tough. Uh, I mean, even in the past, we 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 kind of. We've gotten lucky with a couple guys pretty well, pretty when it, well, well, when it, yeah, when it's when in the past when we've gotten guests, we've gotten guests that were who were in Europe, so the late hour worked out for them actually, or we get guys on the West Coast, so the late hour wasn't wasn't really late for them. So uh, we'll get it once we once we can settle on a little more reasonable time for our recordings. Uh, I think we'll be fine with getting guests. I, I don't think that's going to be a problem at all. I think uh, I'm pretty sure there's people who who'd like to get on and uh, you know banter with us and, and and i know i know i know listeners want guests and i and i get that and hopefully we can start start uh, addressing that soon well there it is the sbi q and a ibis we've officially hit the end of the show uh, i mean a little slow week not much to talk about but uh i think we pretty i think we got everything i think so man it's uh yeah. i think we're i think we're both a little just blah it's one of those blah. oh yeah dude i'm not, i'm not gonna lie i totally sucked this show so yeah so <laughs> so if you kill me i mean I, I know. Think, I was horrible. Think, you know what it is? You know what I think it is? This is what I think it is, man. I think it's the fact we've gotten some pretty crappy reviews on iTunes. No, no, I think, no. I, th- I, don't, I don't think I'm no, doing it. No, I'm just tired, man. I, 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 don't, I, I don't know. 11-hour drive. I, I don't know if I want to do it anymore. No. I, I think I've lost that load. I do. I do. I'm just tired, man. 11-hour drive yesterday. 
but I'm going to LA tomorrow. That's a six hour drive and I'll probably stop and gamble. So it'll probably be like an eight hour drive. <laughs> really? <laughs> so, <laughs> <Nice>. <laughs> well, there's a casino on the way, man. I, I usually go and put down 60, play, play blackjack for a while. I usually make like 50. I, I, I usually win. I sometimes consider stopping working soccer and just gambling full time. I sometimes consider yeah, that, it. Yeah, that, that, that'll go over well. <laughs> be on the street. No oh, time. my, my mom, my Mrs. Cleverly would kill me. Yeah, that probably wouldn't go over well with the family. Oh no way. Um, well, yeah, I don't know. Well, for me, I have a wedding to go to on Saturday. One of my <laughs> one of my uh, best friends is is getting married. Open bar? Uh, I don't know. Ooh. That's a good question. It may or may not be an open bar. That uh, sounds like a bad wedding already. Nah, it's all right. You know, the the bride to be she's cool people, so it, it should be good. And I, I don't know what time it'll be over because. I was thinking of trying to get over the to the to the New England Red Bull game, but I, I don't know. I think I'm gonna be stuck there. Um, but no, it's you know it should be a good weekend. I'm gonna tr- try to grab dinner on Friday night with a couple of couple of guys in town, uh, a couple of friends. So see see how it goes. I'm gonna keep it keep it chill before heading to Kansas City next week. I'll be I'll be out there for the qualifier. Uh, even though the U.S. is already in, I think it's gonna be a great time, and uh, I, I have a feeling people are gonna converge there anyway and turn that into a kind of a party celebration we're going to brazil celebration so it should be it, i'm looking forward to that you know I, as a, i i go quickly i, I gotta before we keep going i gotta i gotta tell you something i got a beef with weddings okay <laughs> I, I got an invitation to go to one of my friend's weddings right and I, I really i'm really looking forward to it because her and her husband are her future husband are great people it's the same day as one of the biggest rivalries football wise in arizona and i'm sitting there being like dude can people like not check the calendar when they choose their wedding date and say, oh, we can't have it on this day because this is going on. Like, like I'm. If I ever get married, I'm going to be considerate. I'm going to check the schedule, make sure nothing's going on that day. No, you're gonna take. You're gonna have the wedding on whatever day your bride to be tells you it's. Gonna no, be. no way, man. I'm gonna look at the calendar and say, there's <laughs> yeah. this day and this day, nothing's going on. We can you're have gonna... it on those days. Sorry, man. You don't know how the real world works. <laughs> One day you'll understand. One day, uh, well, look, you can't speak to it, so you you can't know for sure. I mean, it's easy to say now, but you know, once you're in love and once you've got that that. Oh, I'm, the, come on! I'm not going to be. Control, I'm not going to be totally that pathetic. Well, let's just look. Let's be honest. You're just not getting married. I mean, you just establish that now. That that is also possible. You're, you're a playboy. You're a playboy. That's, That's not true. That's not true. <laughs> uh, don't let them fool you, folks. My mother. Tries, my mother likes to think she raised me better. I think she listens to the show. That's why you don't want to actually confess. There's to no way. Just, There's no way she listens what to the real, show. What you really like. There's, there's no way. There's no way she listens to the show. There's no way. I think we need a new Garrett photo contest. I think we need photos of you with random females. I think that'd get overwhelmed. That would not. Stop it. The, the people <laughs> who did. The Garrett's pe- ladies. By the way. Let's the, do it. The, Hashtag Garrett's ladies. For the people Let's who did find the pictures, I'll clarify some things. The one with me holding the ice cream, that was when I was a wakeboarding instructor in the Bahamas after I graduated from ASU. And then the one of me holding the trophy, that is me at Houston Dynamo Stadium when the Academy won the championship. That's also my boy, Jose Hernandez. For people on the eye, for future talent, remember that kid, Jose Hernandez. So, yeah. so whoever well, found the pictures, good for you. Let's, uh, let's wrap up the show, dude. We, you and I need to, to recover and, and deliver a solid show. Actually, I don't know. I'll be in LA this weekend, so maybe I'll slack off and be I horrible. Think, I, I, I think we should start holding shows hostage. Because uh, until until people start giving us better reviews, no, no, <laughs> they're just being real. I hey, they're used I, to being real. You I know, what, I guess we just have to step up our game. Yeah. I, I I understand it, folks. We're just not doing good enough for you guys. We need to step it up. We'll we'll, we'll work on that. We'll, we'll we'll get it going. You know strong, what it is. You know what it is. We're, we're not talking U.S. men's national team. That's our strength. That's the problem. We need more U.S. games, and we'll have okay. it next week. 
Yes, sir. That's, that's coming up. That's coming up. Yes. So, yes. Should be fun. Yes, it should be. All right, Ivis. Well, I'll let you go, man. You and I will catch up on Sunday. And uh, you have a good weekend, man. Enjoy the wedding and uh, have a good time. Thanks, man. As always, Ivis. I'll talk to you later. As always, everyone, thank you for listening to the show. We appreciate the comments, reviews, and everything else. This is the SBI Show.